It is good to be with you this morning. And where if you're reading, following along in your Bible, you can open it with me to the Gospel of John, chapter 21. Our story this morning is one of the post-resurrection stories. So it comes after Jesus has appeared to his disciples in the locked room and after he's had his encounter with doubting Thomas. And now here we are. John 21. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. Jesus said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Friends in Christ, perhaps like those of us at Fleetwood and churches around the world, you felt like you've been on a journey these last seven weeks of Lent and then Easter and now Eastertide. Last weekend was, like every year, quite the journey from the Last Supper to the anguish and pain of the garden, to the horrors of the cross, to the grief and confusion of the tomb, to that moment when finally we can release our held breath, breathe a sigh of relief, and say, praise God, the tomb is empty. He is risen indeed. The tomb is empty. 
and after Jesus' resurrection is one of my favorite stories in all of scripture because Jesus makes breakfast on the beach. God fries up fish for breakfast. Isn't that just the best image? There we go. In our story today, the disciples have been up all night fishing. Maybe you can relate to those disciples because it's been two very long years of Zoom meetings, virtual family gatherings, worrying, two long years maybe of wondering where your next paycheck is coming from, of listening to professors teach you on a screen, of being prevented from doing the things you really want to do. Two long years of relationships, suffering from a lack of connection, from the constant changes, from the differences of opinion. We can resonate with the exhaustion the disciples were probably feeling, not only from one long night of work, but from three years of following Jesus. And now this bewildering experience of encountering him in the flesh after his death. And not only were they tired from being up all night, they had also not caught a single fish. They were coming up empty. Empty. Lord, I am empty. Have you ever said that prayer? Empty nets maybe empty fridge, empty womb, empty bed, empty spot at the table, empty bank account, empty relationship. Jesus, I just can't, we say. But then we hear something. Friends, haven't you caught anything? And we're so exhausted, we don't even recognize our friend's voice. Out of pure exhaustion, maybe we just want to respond. Really, person on the shore, you've just noticed that our nets are empty. We've been up all night. But we have been noticed. It's as if this is Jesus' way of saying, how are you doing? What's going on? Tell me. And then person on the shore, shares an idea. Throw your nets on the other side of the boat. Well, okay, Jesus. I imagine they probably looked around at each other in hesitation for a minute or two. And then the first miracle happens. The first miracle is they actually listen to Jesus. They have been up all night, after all, and throwing heavy fishing nets from one side of the boat all the way to the other is not an easy feat, I am told but they do it. And then, a second miracle. A net so full of fish, they can barely haul it in. And then a third miracle. The net doesn't break. It's miracle upon miracle upon miracle, upon exhaustion, disappointment, and failure. Our failures are a great backdrop for Jesus' miracles, for Jesus to show up. Funny how often it is 
not until we reach the lowest point, the most exhausted point, that we notice Jesus. Perhaps you can think of an example in your own life of the failure and then of how Jesus shows up. Our failures are opportunities to say, like the disciples, it is the Lord. Jesus shows up for his disciples right by the fire, invites the disciples to sit with him there in the wake of their failure, just like he invites us to sit with him there. Jesus sits with us by the fire that feels sometimes like it's going to consume us, sits with us by the fire of our anxiety, our fear, our longings, sits with us by the fire of our loneliness, our failure, our disappointment, our bewilderment. And the fish are already frying on the fire because Jesus intends for a meal with his friends. Not only does he sit with us, he intends to eat with us. And he intends for us to help prepare it to bring what we have caught, to bring what little income we did make last year, to bring the spiritual gifts that we offer, the talents, the time, the broken pieces of our lives, the things that hardly even feel like gifts, hardly feel like much. But he says, bring what you have caught and turns it into a breakfast feast. He is interested in us personally. He sees the things we do, the gifts we bring as truly our offering, even though it's only through him that we can do anything at all. The disciples would not have caught a single fish that morning if it weren't for Jesus, but yet his invitation to them is bring what you have caught. Our Jesus knows us and cares about us, and wants to use us and use our work in his mission. And just watch and see. Our obedience to Jesus may just bring about abundance. Huge, big things. Nets full of fish. After we have been up all night, after we have not caught a thing, after our disappointment, after we have betrayed and denied and crucified him, Jesus feeds us. Jesus is our provision. There is story after story of God's provision for people in the wilderness in scripture. Stories like the Israelites and the manna that God provides. Elijah and the angel who brought him bread. Hagar and Ishmael, who were given water in the desert, the feeding of the 5,000. But today, on this Sunday after Easter, we celebrate that Jesus is our provision. Jesus is what we need, who we need, how we survive in the wilderness of life. Jesus wants to make a meal for us, and he wants to sit with us and enjoy it. We all know that talking happens at meals, right? Relationships are formed over meals. Stories are shared 
at meals. Not only does Jesus want to be his disciples' teacher and their friend, but their table companion, too. And he longs to be this for us as well. It is the Lord. That was the disciples' response three times in this story. It was the first word out of their mouth when they recognized Jesus on the shoreline. And then again, as they brought their fish for breakfast. How do we respond when we are fed? How do we respond when we realize that after a long night of struggle and failure, Jesus has been right there, ready and waiting for us to give us what we need? As Easter people, this is our one task, to point to the presence and work of Christ in the world every chance we get. To exclaim, it is the Lord, every chance we get, in the small things and the big things. Just like the beloved disciples' first exclamation, it is the Lord, when they were still on the boat, our pointing to Christ can move people to action. Because immediately, Peter threw on his jacket and jumped out of the boat, half swimming, half running to Jesus on the beach. You know that feeling, right? Have you ever tried running in waist-deep water? Peter probably looked like quite the spectacle. But he just wanted to get to Jesus. And his swimming, running situation was still him pointing to Jesus, his Lord, and eventually bringing him and his friends to a picnic on the beach. Our witness, our pointing to Jesus, brings others to have breakfast with Jesus. The contemporary testimony, one of the CRC's statements of faith, talks about how we are God's new people. It says, as Easter people, we, restored in Christ's presence, shaped by his life, this new community lives out the ongoing story of God's reconciling love, announces the new creation, and works for a world of justice and peace. This is what it means to say, it is the Lord, with our mouths and with our lives. This is what it means to be Easter people. And we're invited to share these stories. Just like the disciples shared their stories of Jesus, enough that we now have the opportunity to read about them 2,000 years later. Big and small, our stories of Christ's work in our lives and in our world are significant. Together we are invited to pay attention to God's work in our lives, in our community, in our world. The disciples exclaimed it to one another, it is the Lord, it is the Lord. They knew it was the Lord when they all saw him, but they had to say it out loud. In the same way, we are invited to do that together because it's in our witness that Jesus is revealed. Whether you share it with a friend, a family member, or your small group, we have the opportunity to talk about the Lord. 
The point is that Jesus doesn't just show up in church on Sundays during worship. This rugged scene in John 21 is not a churchy scene. It's not a prayer meeting, Bible study, or a planned gathering. Peter said, I'm going fishing, and the other disciples followed him. Just like the Emmaus Road scene, it was a work day. A regular day, a day to process what had just happened to them and to their friend and to the world that they knew. And Jesus showed up there. And they recognized him. Jesus reveals himself and provides for us in our worldly, earthy places, in the secular and the holy, in our daily lives and work. So where do you recognize Jesus in your life? Where is Jesus showing up? Are you celebrating God's provision of a new job, a new baby, a restored relationship, healing from an illness? Or maybe it's just something quieter, smaller, like a growth moment in your walk with Christ, a phone call from a friend just when you needed it, a day of light in your grief journey, maybe a better grade on an exam than you were expecting. Just like the disciples needed to say it out loud, we too need to remind each other of the reality of Jesus' presence in our lives, the reality of God's provision. Throughout the Gospels, we see the disciples expressing their doubt. Even after Jesus' resurrection, but they come to the fire to have breakfast with Jesus, and they still need to say to one another, it is the Lord. He's real. We too can come with our doubts, come with our wonderings right here to worship. But it's almost as if this table is set for us, and this candle is lit here for us to remind us, it is the Lord. He's real. People of the risen Christ, God invites us to rejoice. Even as we enter a third year of this global pandemic, even as we feel the heat of the fire that feels like it might consume us, even as we sit in sadness, grief, or failure, Jesus comes and says, how are you doing? Why don't you try it a different way? Come, bring what you've got. Come, I've made some breakfast for you. Let's eat together. Church, we have a God who provides for us in the wilderness, in the remote places, on the shoreline, after a long night of work. We have a God who fries up fish for breakfast. Church, let's rejoice together now. Let's say together, it is the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.